your exclusive home for Phoenix Suns basketball. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. All right, welcome into continuing coverage of the 2023 NBA Draft. Alongside Vince Murata, I'm Luke Lipinski. Vinny, what's going on? I've never seen you sit over there in that seat. I don't... Actually, I have. When? Remember the night the NBA shut down because of COVID? And you yes. were doing your nighttime show. I came in and I sat... I think that was the last time I sat in this seat. That's that's true. That's yeah. what, I haven't what done so a show with it. you in forever. Well, this is much better circumstances. We got the NBA drafts yeah. going on. Yes. I wasn't we here We know there by will myself. be basketball to follow. Well, everything yeah. in sports shut down. All right, so we are a few uh, picks into the draft. Boy, a stunner at number one. Victor yeah, Wembanyama going number Did one not see that one coming. Yeah, and they used the full clock, too, just to make sure they, they knew that that's what they wanted to do. I'm glad to see a, a, an organization like San Antonio that never gets breaks in the draft lottery. Yeah, Really, you know, in, in the year of a, of a generational player, Let's finally get, get that finally break. Get the yeah. break. Let's yeah. go to the podium here for Utah. Let's go back to Commissioner Silver. With the ninth pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Utah Jazz select Taylor Hendricks from UCF. Bobby Marks, player profile. Hendricks is the ideal fit in today's NBA as a versatile big who can guard the rim, defend all over the court, and space the floor on offense. A standout defender who can guard three positions and has great instincts as a rim protector. All right. So right out of the gate, Vinny, we have a pick. Why don't you give us a 10-minute speech and presentation on Taylor Hendricks and what he brings to the Utah Jazz. Uh, right. what, what Bobby Marks? Why do you need 10 minutes? Bobby Marks just did it 20 seconds. He's, he's the <laughs> mecca of efficiency. We're nine picks into this draft, so I'm going to run through these, and then we're going to kind yes. of get into what uh, tonight could mean for the Phoenix Suns. Victor Wembanyama went number one. I'm going to... I'm just going to go by where they have been drafted because the trades aren't official and guys are wearing weird hats that don't fit their teams. <laughs> Wembenyama went number one to the Spurs. Now Brandon Miller goes second to Charlotte. Scoot Henderson drops to Portland at three. Amon Thompson to Houston. Alsar Thompson to Detroit. Anthony Black to Orlando at six. Bilal Kulabay to uh, Indiana. And then Jairus Walker to Washington at eight. Taylor Hendricks, just as you heard, going to Utah at number nine. So the Dallas Mavericks are on the clock. I hope they forget it and miss their pick. Yeah, they might. I've seen a lot of projections where they could go Derek Lively, the big center from Duke here. Uh, they do have a... Kind of a void at center. We saw last year they they signed Javale McGee to a three year contract. Didn't quite work out. Didn't get a lot of playing time. Uh, so they were playing with a lot of small lineups in Dallas. This this might be the spot where Lively goes. But some interesting developments in those first nine picks outside of Wembenyama. Brandon Miller going number two. There was a, a, all kinds of speculation in the weeks leading up to the draft. Would it be Henderson? Would it be Miller? Charlotte goes with Miller and Scoot Henderson who the indication, Luke, was if Portland keeps that pick at three, it's not going to make Damian Lillard very happy. Mm -hmm. So that is something to watch after this is what happens with Damian Lillard. He doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, but they just use their number three pick on another guard. And at four with Amen Thompson going, Houston might be the most athletic team in the history of the NBA, (laughs) first of all. And what does that do now for their pursuit, reported pursuit of James Harden and free agency? Yeah, no, those are those are great points to look at. And with Scoot Henderson, it's tough to tell when guys are playing. You know, it, it's not just internationally or college. Then you got guys playing in the G League too, so it's tough to really evaluate one against the other. But 
I don't know, man. I, I trust Scoot Henderson more than Brandon Miller. I'm not making the picks. Charlotte hasn't been great with their picks uh, historically anyway, yeah. but uh, but you're right. I mean, now everything has a potential ramification, right? If if taking Scoot Henderson third means that's who Portland's building around and Damian Lillard suddenly becomes available, it's just the ripple effects around the NBA. We've already seen it throughout today mm-hmm. and and, uh, and last night with some of the, the moves going on. Um, the other thing about this Dallas pick I'm assuming this guy has to be a generational talent because this is why they tanked at the end of the season and purposely missed the playoffs was for this pick. So no pressure on this pick right here to throw away a, a year of Luca's career to get this exact pick. Oh, you mean after they traded for Kyrie Irving? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got to be thrilled in Dallas about how that worked out. It, this better be Victor Wembanyama again. There were conditions somehow. where that that pick this pick could have been conveyed to the Knicks, correct? Yeah. And am I hearing this right? Uh, it sounds like they just traded this pick. So. <laughs> yeah, so according to um, Adrian Wojnarowski, the Mavericks are trading number 10 and Davis Bertans to the Thunder for number 10. So they just <laughs> tanked at the end of the season to get this pick to trade it away. <laughs> Good. I mean, look. <laughs> we, hey, you're going to wish ill will on a franchise that may as well be the Dallas Mavericks, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't expect it to be so self-inflicted, but uh, hey, <laughs> have at it, right? Uh, number 10 and Davis Bertans to the Thunder for, I don't know why it says number 10. Number Woj. 12. I, number 12, I, yeah. The the Thunder are on the clock at uh, 12. Say, this is, um, Woj getting ahead of himself with a, with a quick trigger finger there, I guess. Yeah, but even that doesn't make, why would you trade down and throw a player in? I don't know. I mean, I don't understand anything Dallas is doing. This could be still a spot for Lively, too, because Oklahoma yeah. City, not necessarily strong at the center position either. Oklahoma City really just needs more young players because they've only got 47 on their roster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a chance. And to about really that many one. picks stocked up, too. Yeah. Uh, all right. So throughout the evening, the Suns, as it stands, are picking 52nd. Um, we're obviously on DA watch here tonight. Now you just heard Gambo, and and he he uh, he was on our show earlier today too. He's been consistent with this that Frank Vogel wants the Suns to keep DeAndre Ayton. Um, that makes a lot of sense if you're a head coach. I would argue it makes even more sense if you're a head coach that's never actually coached DA before that you'd want to keep him around. But if I'm Frank Vogel and I'm looking at a team with a big three and then a bunch of unknowns or a team with a big three and D.A. and a bunch of unknowns, I'll take option B. Yeah, I mean, I know there there's a lot of people in this fan base in Phoenix. There's a lot of people probably listening to us right now that are listening because they want to hear the news reported that D.A. is on his way out of Just town. Just waiting for breaking news. Because yeah. it, it has been a frustrating run, especially the last year has been a frustrating year for DeAndre Ayton with Suns fans, but I agree with you. And if Frank Vogel, a defensive-minded head coach who's got oodles of offense to work with now with this acquisition of Bradley Beal, if he has identified the right big man coach for D.A., because let's let's face it, I mean, DeAndre Ayton, I think, not skill-wise, but production-wise, took a step backwards over the last couple of years. Some of that has to be coaching. He's got to take accountability as well. We all know about the dynamic between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams, and uh, I, I could probably speak for you. Uh, I think we were all shocked when Monty Williams came to media day and said, yeah, we, we didn't talk over the summer. Yeah. After the way everything ended and the pain and the embarrassment of that Game 7 loss to Dallas, I thought that was... Maybe the first nail in the coffin for Monty Williams on his way out of town, quite honestly. Disappointing, too, because I th- DA's got to take the majority of the blame 
overall Absolutely. For, for taking steps back. Be, otherwise, he's never going to get better. But that moment in particular was disappointing because I just hold Monty Williams to a higher standard. He did a bunch of great stuff for the Suns. Yes. I wish him all the best in Detroit. I mean, he's 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 going to go down in Suns history as one of the most pivotal, in a good way, coaches. Sure. But that was... That was kind of an odd move, you know? I mean, I, I get it. The guy's frustrating. He's frustrating, I'm sure, to his teammates. He's frustrating to the fan base for sure. But the frustration is because he has the talent, and he just can't bring it to light. Let's go to the podium here for either Dallas or Oklahoma City. And with the 10th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Kaysen Wallace from the University of Kentucky. Bobby Marks. Player profile. A tough, consistent two-way player who is comfortable on and off the ball. Wallace is a physical guard that has an elite skill set on defense and does well with physicality. He has a strong feel for the game, impacts winning, and is a capable three-point shooter with a quick release. Shows you what I know there, Luke. They didn't go big man. They went guard. Kaysen Wallace from Kentucky. And again, that pick probably being moved down to, to Oklahoma City with Dallas. Uh, getting whoever's picked at, at number 12. Oklahoma City, not going with a traditional center, really. I mean, they played one of the Jalen Williams at the five for, for a good portion of the second half of the season. Thought maybe that would be a spot for Lively, but they go guard instead. They probably panicked because there wasn't another Jalen Williams available in this draft. <laughs> like, wait, what do we do? And why did we trade up to get a guy that's not named Jalen Williams? I My estimation is by the year 2030, about 40% of the league will be named Jalen or Jaden. So there's going to be another Jalen Williams in the league during their careers. You, well, can, you can trust, trust me on that. Definitely has room on their roster for more players. Uh, all right, so we're about an hour into the NBA draft. We are 10 picks in at this point. Are we expecting the Sun? to be active tonight, host of Empire of the Suns podcast on Arizona Sports. Kevin Zimmerman is going to join us next. It's our NBA draft special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA draft special. Here comes the commissioner to the podium right now to make this official. The home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. With the 11th pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select Jet Howard from the University of Michigan. Bobby Marks, play a profile. A dynamic shooter with great size for a wing. Howard shot 37% from three and flourished in catch-and-shoot situations before injuries derailed his season. He can put the ball on the floor to create space for a shot. A willing passer and facilitator with solid vision. All right, there you go. 11th player off the board, and it is Jet Howard to the Orlando Magic. Luke Lipinski with Vince Murata, now joined by Kevin Zimmerman. So we're 11 picks in. Kevin, we got a lot to talk to you about, so hopefully you're not busy on draft night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess let's just start here. Victor Wimbanyama going one, Brandon Miller two, Scoot Henderson three. We're about a third of the way through the first round. Before we get into any of the Suns stuff, is there anything that has shocked you or that you've liked out of the first 11 picks? I think we all kind of saw it coming. Um, Scoot Henderson going to the Blazers just gives them options. We don't know what's going to happen with Dame, but you have him, you have Simons, Dame under contract. I mean, I, I like that, and I think it's a great value for them as they kind of figure out. I have no idea what they're going to figure out, but like they have options now and a really good prospect on their team. 
Yeah, I had the same thought. Like, what does that mean for Dame? Because, you know, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. You mentioned all that youth. And Simons is actually somewhat of a, of a young veteran now, but Shaden Sharp in the mix. I don't know what happens with, with Dame, and I don't know what his reactions are right now. I had also brought up, Kevin, uh, with Ahmed Thompson going to Houston, uh, adding to their collection of just superb athletes. But what does that do now when free agency starts? They've been linked to James Harden for months. Uh, does it still make sense for Harden to go there? I don't know how much I believe in the James Harden stuff. I mean, okay. I, I like that roster. To me, just where James Harden is, and this is just absolutely guessing, but where he is in his career, aging, uh, yeah, sure, he, he would make that team a lot better, but do they actually click into gear? I mean, Oklahoma City just is another team that has better talent, I think, has mm-hmm. a better track was competitive, has their star, and there's just so much competition. I just don't know if that timeline makes sense for James Harden. But, hey, if you like living in Houston, you like that regime that's there, and you do like the young talent, maybe they do take that step forward with him. I just want to be clear on this because now Dallas is picking again at 12. So how does Davis Bertans feel if their move was to tank at the end of the year, miss the playoffs, and get the 10th pick just so they could get rid of Bertans and move down to 12? I mean, that's what they're doing, right? Uh, all right, but Bertans has ended up in OKC, right? Yeah, better situation, better team. Yeah, no, better for yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but they must have really hated him. <laughs> the contract, yeah, the contract not great. No, no. Uh, all right, Kevin, um, Chris Paul. Since the last time I talked to you, at least yesterday on our show, Chris Paul goes to Golden State, and now that deal's done, and you know everybody's been looking at the Field Yates tweet today, where the Suns don't have really a pick again for a long time <laughs> after tonight. They have a couple first rounders that Washington could pick swap. Probably won't come into play, but Chris Paul going to Golden State, just that alone, what do you think that does in the Western Conference? It at least tells you that Golden State's trying to go for it, and they kind of see the very end. I think we saw it this year. They see the very end of the Steph Curry era to me, and they're going to give it one more run. I'm sure they'll try to re-sign Draymond Green, um, bring that crew together. It's just a weird fit, though. I mean, Jordan Poole, look, I get he was inconsistent, but he'd give you those scoring bursts. If Chris Paul plays like he did this past year, it's wonky because him and Draymond have to be on the court. You need floor spacing a little more. Um, But I I do like it from the perspective of, okay, they're going to kind of do what the Suns do. We don't care about the money. We're going to go for it. And if Chris Paul's like relatively healthy, he does give them something. It's just defensively floor spacing. I don't really get it, but they could probably make a few moves, pickups where they have a rotation that can kind of hide those issues. I could not agree with you more about the wonky fit. That was my first reaction when I saw that news come down this afternoon is, wow, Chris Paul's going to Golden State. Good for him. He's going to be on a contending team, but man, he doesn't fit at all. Yeah. And, and you mentioned floor spacing and defensively and all of those things, but just in pace of play, I mean, Golden State moves the ball around. J.J. Redick had a great stat in one of the shows leading up to the draft about average length of touch in the half court. And Golden State is way up at the top, I think third third shortest length of touch in the league, where Chris Paul is just one of those deliberate dribble the, dribble the air out of the basketball guys. It's a, it's a weird fit. For the first time in his career, is Chris Paul going to be a bench player? I mean, are you yeah, going to start yeah. Curry, Thompson, and Chris Paul? I I don't see that as as a solution. It is. It's very strange. And with Draymond, if he sucker punches Chris Paul, Chris Paul will fight back. <laughs> <laughs> so that could get very very awkward in a hurry. Uh, you know that is weird. And, and you know it. We're when that that trade broke today, or that final part of the that Suns trade. You basically you have Denver trying to win again. 
with Nikola Jokic and a big man that's dominant, and, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with what just worked, with what it, a lot of teams are trying to copy now. Then you have the Suns going with the the super team model of we're just going to spend all our money on three guys and see what happens. Then you have Golden State going with the Golden State model of, hey, we're Golden State, which those are really kind of the three models that have worked most recently in the NBA, Kevin. So I guess we're going to see at least what sort of strategy is successful in 2024. Spending money? <laughs> uh, I, nuggets aren't in as bad of a space there, but like Michael Porter Jr.'s on a max. I yeah, mean, they've got three max players too. If you spend money in this league, you're going to field a pretty good team, and I think I, I guess that's an easy takeaway to throw out there. But yeah, that's a really good point. It's super different strategies. Again, Golden State, the fit. I One thing I do want to point out is like Chris Paul navigating that offense takes some off curry right and takes some off clay um wiggins i I think will carry a big load still going Mm -hmm. forward so that's interesting to me and like defensively i'll I'll just say that chris paul still holds up pretty well for being his age and compared to jordan Poole, (laughs) at least you know what you're gonna get there's that i mean there's traffic cones that play better defense (laughs) than jordan Poole, and that's the other aspect to, to localize this again too is the Suns had that option. Yeah. The Suns, and it, it was it was reported after that trade, they could have sent Chris Paul to Golden State for a package with with Jordan Poole in it. Thankfully, they made the right move. Yeah, and I, it, you know they could be saddled with Bradley Beal's contract if this does not work out. Obviously, but Bradley Beal is a much better team player and a much better fit for the Suns than Jordan Poole would have been. With the big three they have, and we're gonna we'll get to Da in a little bit, but just with the big three that you know they have now, and I'll just throw this out there to both of you. What do you want them to do tonight? You know, realistically, what do you want them to do tonight? I think for me, it's add a couple wing players. Um, a couple is obviously guessing that they have to make a trade or something. Um, it might cost that 50-second pick in cash, like Gambo said, to even just move into the 40s, I think. Um, but I th- maybe realistically you get one by moving up who's ready to go. Like Jordan Miller, I, I've liked out of Miami. I know he's projected to go into the second round. Um, and then you go in the two-way market and you get someone else who's a college player who you know, like, I can count on this guy to play defense, I can count on him to shoot threes, at least a couple skills that translate, even if they have, you know, flaws who are, that are, those players are going to have some flaws or some question marks about their athleticism or whatnot, but I think if you get two guys who you think, hey, they can maybe crack the rotation or in 10 minutes per game here and there, um, I think that'd be a win for tonight. Yeah, I think Kevin's on the money there. Um, you know, how, however they go about finagling that you got to find at least one player who can play for you it's hard to find i'm looking at the history of the number 52 pick in the draft it's not much (laughs) and like the best win shares player in the history of the number 52 pick is fred hoiberg (laughs) he had a one skill one skill one very elite (laughs) skill uh, actually, too, because as the head coach of Iowa State, he absolutely ruined my tournament bracket one year. <laughs> I don't um, know if that's a skill, but I remember yeah, that year, actually. Yeah, I was beside myself. Yeah, it was like the first game of the entire uh, bracket. All right, let's but, go to the uh, podium here real okay. quick. Let's uh, see what they're doing. Here's Commissioner Adam Silver. With the 12th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Oklahoma City Thunder select Derek Lively II from Duke University. Bobby Marks, player profile. A fluid athletic big man with a modern skill set. Lively is an elite rim protector with exceptional length and timing. He can switch and guard smaller players on the perimeter. Lively is an explosive leaper for his size and lob threat around the rim. There, right, he so is. there you go. There's Dallas getting the center. There. Uh, 7 7 wingspan for Derek Lively. And he did a, a, a pre draft interview as well. 
when he's thought of as an elite rim protector defensive player, but man, th- that kid's got a chip on his shoulder when it comes to his offense. Yeah, He went through every scenario and said he can play at that level right now in the NBA. So if that's the case, then Dallas probably found their center of, uh, of the future. Well, we sure, shall see. I'm sure they'll run their offense through him now. <laughs> that's the way this works, right? Um, back to the Suns situation and you know the, the possibility of either moving up and taking a guy in the 40s or whatever, or getting a rookie, like a free agent, essentially on one of those two-way deals. If you're a rookie coming into this league and you want a chance, <laughs> there's worse places to go than Phoenix right now because you're going to contend for a title and you might actually get playing time right out of the gate. Yeah, and the profile for those types of guys are the the older college players, not the one and done guys. You know, the guys that are 21, 22 that have that have been through the ringer a little bit at the, in, in the college ranks. And you can find those guys. I mean, we just watched an NBA Finals, and not necessarily right out of the draft or undrafted free agents, but. Miami is very adept at finding those guys who fall through the cracks. The Suns have not found those guys. They haven't really been pressed to, but they need to now. That That is a priority is on, on this scouting staff is to find some of those hidden gems that can come in and contribute to winning. Yeah, yeah The Keontae Johnson's a guy who I kind of look at as, okay, he was a high, high-profile yes. recruit, um, had, I believe, a heart issue at uh, Florida. And Nearly then, died on the court. Yeah, passed out, um, and he comes back apparently healthy enough to play in the college game, and I, I'm sure there are medical red flags around him, but that's like the kind of player where you say, okay, he's a great athlete, played really well this past year, got a restart in his career, and I guess life, he's healthy, I hope. Yes. Um, and, and that's the kind where you say, okay, you take a risk, maybe, but what you could get, the upside there is big. Yeah, it's a good you, point. You mentioned this before, too, Kevin, that this is a unique year because of, of everything that happened in 2020. There are more than usual, there's a, a higher number of players that have actually been in college for a while, which could potentially benefit the Suns here. Yeah, again, the Jordan Miller name I threw out there, he's just solid player, 55% shooter, <laughs> um, super efficient. I think he was at George Mason and then Miami, and James Jones probably watched every Miami game. <laughs> so that's why everyone's picking that on mock drafts and things like that. So that's the type of player where, like, I haven't done the research on it, but the pandemic was a bad thing, but it, it makes these guys a year older. They can stay a year longer and really kind of just mature, and you probably have a better sample size of like what you're going to get for a lot of guys in the back end of the second round even. All right, Kevin's going to stick around. With all the movement that has already gone down in this draft, is there still one big move Suns fans would like to see happen? We'll talk DA next. It's our NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special, the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. With the 13th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Toronto Raptors select Grady Dick from the University of Kansas. Bobby Marks, play a profile. A dynamic wing that shot 40% on three-pointers at Kansas this season. He fits the mold of a floor-spacing big guard with his shot creation ability. A high-effort defender and active rebounder. Dick makes hustle plays by attacking the offensive board for tip-outs and putbacks. 
All right. So there you go. There's no place like home. <laughs> There's no place like home. If you can't, <laughs> you might be able to actually see his outfit through the radio. <laughs> this might be the first time in radio history that you can see something. Um, Did they, do we have any audio of him doing uh, the, the interview on the red carpet? Who are you wearing tonight? Because I am sure that is from the Jarrett Carlin collection. <laughs> Jared is jealous of this right now. He's looking at that, be like, "Man, he took my suit." So he's from Kansas. It's the the ruby red slipper. That's that's the look he's going for. I guess. And if I think it was intentional. I yeah. Think. It, well, I don't think he accidentally put that on. <laughs> well, he's, but, I mean, do you ever go back and look at your senior portrait and like, what was I wearing? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be the draft night experience. We were for talking Grady about Tech. this in the newsroom before, like Paolo. When we look back, like in like fifteen years, like yeah. it was fine for last year. In fifteen years, people are like, what happened in twenty twenty two? That's never been stylish though. No, so it'll be <laughs> no. okay. So when they say what happened in twenty twenty three, we can all be like, nothing. Everything was fine except him. <laughs> he just lost his mind. Uh, Kevin Zimmerman is here with us. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata on our NBA draft special. That was pick 13. Uh, so we're going here to the end of the first round. we got a ways to go. And Kevin, Vince and I were talking earlier about DeAndre Ayton and, you know, Gambo's been talking about how Frank Vogel wants to keep DeAndre Ayton. And we were saying, look, from, from a, if I'm the coach, and again, I'll throw this caveat out there, and I've never coached DA before and I'm not frustrated with him, yeah, I'd rather have DeAndre Ayton than just another adept guy or veterans minimum or whatever, but Frank Vogel aside, if you're running the Suns, what are you trying to do with DA? Are you keeping him or trying to get depth? I, I think you are stuck in between. This is kind of like last offseason when he signed that offer from the Pacers. It's you don't want to give him away for nothing, but they're valuing him higher, obviously, than other teams. And look, if you got to trade him, do you get a center back? And I, I kind of went through possible options where Wizards have like Daniel Gafford, who's uh much cheaper, pretty good rim protector. You'd want him back, but does he much more valuable at that contract level? You go to Orlando, Wendell Carter Jr., same thing, where it's like $10 million per year, very reliable center, underrated, even though he's on that bad team. Would they want to give him up for a $30 million contract? Mm-hmm. Um, even Utah, where Gambo last summer, I believe, said they had interest. Well, Walker Kessler just had an awesome rookie season where he's playing like 20 minutes per game and blocking over like two and a half shots per game. Like all these options where you say maybe they have better options on better contracts. So it's really tough to get rid of him. And again, it is a matter of like you want to get a center back who can at least play 20, 25 minutes a game. And that's just not out there that I see. Yeah, and you brought up a lot of great points there, Kevin. But on the Vogel front, does he look at, since he's got this job now, does he look at DA? Is he watching film on DA and devising something like, I can unlock it? DA is a solid defensive player. He's Over the years he's been here, he's been identified as a key cog to what they do defensively as a communicator. I don't think he's an elite rim protector. I think he's an above-average defensive rebounder. But maybe Frank Vogel, and if you hear Gambo say that Frank Vogel loves him and thinks he can he can get something out of him. Now, I've been a DA defender. Anybody that's listened to me and Bickley over the years knows that we've gone toe-to-toe over DA. Just a few times. But I'm at the end of my rope. And, and if he comes back, I'm fine with it because I am curious to see what he looks like under a new head coach. On the flip side of that, to what Kevin's talking about, if you can get two cheaper pieces that are rotation pieces, and one of those rotation pieces is... Uh, a starting center that's affordable, I think you jump at the chance. I just don't see that as being very possible. 
Yeah, and, and I think the concern that I have with this now is like his value has only been going down for a few years. And if you're going to keep him, ideally his value would start to go back up because I, I can't envision a scenario anytime soon where DeAndre Ayton's on the Suns and we're not all wondering if he's about to get traded because it's been that way for at least a year. And really even people have been calling for it for longer than that. It's just kind of an awkward it's almost like they tried to break up with him, but he's still living in the house. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it felt like he was almost <laughs> yeah. gone last Look, year. We, we've talked about this on our show, too. Like The timing of all the decisions that they've made with DeAndre Ayton have been off. Yeah, They should have given him the extension the year after the finals. It would have given them a heck of a lot more flexibility. They had to, backed into a corner, had to match that offer from Indiana. But at that time, your owner's still, well, it's basically still Robert Sarver. We didn't know Matt Ishbia was going to be the owner. We didn't know Matt Ishbia was going to make a big, splashy trade to blow up the chemistry and, and the feel of the roster to get Kevin Durant. And certainly didn't know uh, the Bradley Beal thing was, was was to follow. So DA's been kind of an afterthought in, in all of this. And I think it started in that summer of 2021. They should have given him the extension. You remember Chris Paul saying at the end of the Western Conference Finals, this guy's going to get a bag this summer. We all expected it. It didn't happen. Yeah, And the Suns kind of crippled themselves by doing that. The, the real issue is, do you try to wait this out till the trade deadline where you give another more than half a season of where you might have to shake it up mid-season if you're making a title run? That's tough, like yes. we saw. Yes. We saw it, yeah. And you, you add injuries, potential injuries to that, and then you're in the same spot as this past season. So I think that's the biggest issue, too. If you want to get off the contract, waiting is going to be easier to do, and maybe you get something more and he helps his stock, but... When I go to his stock, it's Frank Vogel was brought in for Monty Williams because, in theory, he's going to throw more at DA. He's going to make him switch more on screens. He's going to throw different types of coverages into the mix. And that's DA's biggest problem is when he gets in this mental pretzel area of, like, I made a mistake or I didn't know what the coverage was, then he starts kind of go like, it just crumbles. It spirals. And I think that's the challenge is making the game more complicated in what he does, but also simpler. And that just just is going to be super challenging for Frank Vogel to do. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the podium right now for New Orleans pick. I have another trade to announce. As part of a deal to be finalized later, the Dallas Mavericks are trading to the Oklahoma City Thunder the draft rights to Kaysen Wallace, the 10th pick, and the Thunder are trading to the Mavericks the draft rights to Derek Lively, the 2nd, the 12th pick. With the 14th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Jordan Hawkins from the University of Connecticut. Bobby Marks, play a profile. One of the best three-point shooters in the draft, Hawkins is an elite shooter with a quick release, has exceptional footwork, and thrives at running off screens and shooting off the catch. He plays both ends of the court and is a solid defender and rebounder. All right, Jordan Hawkins from UConn to New Orleans there with pick number 14. So we're almost halfway through the first uh, round here of yeah. the NBA draft. And everybody that was projecting that Cam Whitmore slide uh, was right on the money. He's still on the board. Yeah, that's we're to the point now where that feels like that's 
going to be a potential steal for somebody. Yeah, maybe. I'd seen him uh, in the top 10 in a lot of early projections, and this this week, for whatever reason, he's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like there's one every year, right? Yeah, yeah you're just going to drop. It's a good pick by New Orleans, though, to get a guy not only with, with the skill set that Jordan Hawkins has, solid in all areas, pretty good size, good defender, but championship pedigree. They're already putting up the Rip Hamilton side-by-side comparisons, <laughs> too. So, yeah. Um, just real quick here before we wrap up, Kevin, when you were talking about DeAndre Ayton uh, before we went to the pick, too, it's, you know, if he sticks around, what do you ultimately hope for from him? And and we can get more into this later on, I guess, as well, too. If you keep him until the trade deadline, like, again, you need his value to start to go back up because it just feels like it gets harder and harder to trade him if the longer you hold on to him. Because honestly, I would love to hold on to him for the first you know half of the season, see what he does under Vogel, and then if it's not working, trade him. But it's it's already hard to trade him. Yeah, I mean, I think under Vogel, it'll just be kind of what it's been. I mean, there's not, in theory, going to be a lot more offensive things put on him. Um, I think it's still going to be rim roller stuff, which he's not exactly taken to that just because of the big three around him, like they're going to get their shots. But Vogel, I mean, in that series, just to take a microcosm of what DA does, they let DA cook the first few games of that series when the Lakers played the Suns um, a couple years ago when the Suns went to the finals. DA did really well, and then they took DA away, and it really opened up everything for Book and those guys. So I, I think that I believe the Vogel trusting in what he can get out of DA. It's just a matter of, okay, can you get the consistency? Like, I, I don't expect it all to go away and vanish suddenly, all the issues, but I think the consistency, being confident, um, reaching him more as a human being, like, that's as good as Monty Williams was. That was a huge thing that he didn't talk to him, and I think that might go a long way in just getting more out of DA. Yeah, it's and funny to, when you say it like that. Like, maybe just talk to your player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coach him up. Let's start there. Uh, to Kevin's earlier point, too, we're all expecting this to go well in the first half of next season, correct? If yeah. everybody's healthy, the Suns are going to win a lot of basketball yes. games. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You can't, you can't make a, a that big of a splashy trade at the trade deadline two years in a row. No. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't be as splashy, but it would still be it big. It would not be as splashy, but it could be as disruptive. Yeah. Um, and nobody projected... Kevin Durant to miss 10 games because he turned his ankle in, in pregame warm-ups. That was just, you know, buzzard's luck. But you don't want to go down that road. And everybody was c- trying to convince themselves at the time, oh, if it's 20 games, that's plenty of time. Eight games, oh, no problem. They'll be fine. They weren't fine. No, and it wasn't it wasn't fine for the players around KD. And that would no. be the same thing if because you're right. If you're trading DeAndre Ayton, you're hoping to bring in two or three players mm-hmm. that are going to play significant roles, and they got to learn how to fit in around the big three like that in what, February? We just we literally just, just saw a version of that. Yes. All right, Kevin, we appreciate it, man. I know you're like running a website right now during the NBA draft, so we're going to let you go. And there's pizza out there that you have yeah, to get. Yeah, you check out this yeah. pizza. That's good. <laughs> you should really try pizza. It's a great concept. Uh, all right, when we come back, we've already seen some teams shaking up the draft. Which teams could be looking to do it as we go forward into the second half of the first round? It's our NBA Draft Special on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NBA Draft Special. special. The Phoenix Suns select. The home of the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. With the 15th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Kobe Bufkin from the University of Michigan. Bobby Marks, player profile. 
a versatile combo guard who plays in attack mode. Bufkin possesses great touch around the basket and finishing through contact. A shifty playmaker with three-level scoring potential. All right, there you go. Kobe Bufkin to the Atlanta Hawks. Utah on the clock right now, and they say the pick is in, but the pick has not been made yet. So, Vince, we are exactly halfway through the first round here mm-hmm. of this draft. Luke Lipinski, Vince Murata. We're going to have Kellen Olson join us in a little bit, thanks to Kevin Zimmerman, who already joined us. Um, before we go any further, and this is, bothers me every year. In addition I, know to, where you're, I think I know where you're going. Well, but go ahead. There's two things. The hats, obviously. Okay, that's that bothers everybody, I think. Is it really that hard to just have a draft tracker out there that doesn't have to have like a 7,000 word essay on each pick? Like, how about you just give me the names and the college of the team in order? I don't need everybody's opinion on every pick. I got this one on NBA.com. It's beautiful, clean. <laughs> Where has that been for the last hour and 40 seconds? But let's get into minutes? that. Like, I always rail every year when we do an NBA draft show, I rail on the hats thing. Yeah. I mean, this is a lifelong accomplishment, not only for the, the young men that are drafted, but for their families and the sacrifice they give to these guys to, to pursue a professional career. The moment they become professionals, there's a million cameras going off. Mm-hmm. And those memories are the ones that you have for the rest of your life where, for a team you don't, you're not even going to play for. <laughs> like Dallas and Oklahoma City just made a deal. Why could they not do it NFL style and say, all right, Dallas, we're trading down to number 12. Oklahoma City, it's your pick. It can't be that hard to hand the hat to the other guy. Like, hey, um, I'm wearing the wrong hat, and so are you. You can even have the players find each other. I don't. However, you want to do it, but it always it's bugs the me. weirdest thing. And the, you're N- right. the NBA does a lot of stuff right. That's one of the things they do very wrong. They do. They're they're very progressive league, and that is the most like backwards, self imposed, just oddity that they uh, that they do. Um, all right, so we are halfway through the first round, and we've seen a couple shakeups, like you mentioned, Dallas trading down a couple spots with Oklahoma City. We saw Charlotte go with Brandon Miller at two instead of Scoot Henderson, and I'm not going to say that was a shakeup, but that really was where this draft starts, uh, and especially for yes. me. Once San Antonio won the lottery, I, I had no interest in the first pick. Yeah, and there was people kind of tongue-in-cheek saying, Brandon Miller's got to be knocked down a peg or two after his proclamation that Paul George is his goat in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, I think he took that as the player he patterns his game after, but to call Paul George the goat months after Paul George said, "Yeah, I'm I'm not the number one guy." Yeah, <laughs> he said that himself. <laughs> there have been Paul George is a good player. There have been better players in yes. NBA history, believe it or not. Uh, so you had that at the top of the draft, and as you brought up before, all right, you go out there and you get Scoot Henderson. What does that mean for Damian Lillard? We've already seen some movement around the league. We've seen some tonight at the draft, but I want to get your thoughts on what happened last night too with Marcus Smart going to Memphis and Chris Depps Porzingis going to Boston and Tyus Jones, among others, uh, you know, moving to, to Washington. But uh, Porzingis to Boston, yeah. just your thoughts on that trade. I'm not the world's biggest Porzingis fan. There was a time early in his career in New York where I did look at him and I thought he lived up to that nickname. It's true because we both know the world's biggest Porzingis fan and you're not him. So yeah. let's carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was kind of a unicorn. The way he moved at that size, he had the knee injury. I'll admit to you, Luke, I watched two Washington Wizards basketball games last year, and they were both against the Suns, and I know he had a good year. I don't I, I don't know if Porzingis and that skill set and the production makes up for what the Celtics gave up in getting rid of Marcus Smart, who was kind of the straw that stirs the drink, if you will, for the Celtics. He had been there nine years, never missed the playoffs, he gives you that grit, uh, that competitiveness. 
elite defender, former defensive player of the year, and I think he fits seamlessly into what Memphis wants to do, especially with John Moran on the shelf for the first 25 games of the year. But, you know, they're moving on from Dylan Brooks. Marcus Smart's a better version of Dylan Brooks and can play point guard, too. I, I So I love that deal for Memphis. I'm real curious, and I know Boston initially didn't want to give up Marcus Smart. Initially, they wanted it to be Brogdon. The Clippers got freaked out by his, his medical condition, and they pulled out of the first three-way deal. So the next guy on that rung was, was, was Marcus Smart for Boston. They might feel that. And I know Derek White's been, been wonderful for them, and they still have Brown, they still have Tatum, but I'm not, I'm not convinced about Porzingis' fit. They're still loaded, don't get me wrong. Yeah. What, what do you think the driving force was behind, like, okay, we have to get Porzingis? Because you're right, good stats last year. Uh, his best stats, technically, but I, I think we would all agree his best years were with the Knicks, then he gets hurt, then he goes to Dallas, kind of fell off the map there for a while. Yeah, he put up good numbers last year yeah. with Washington, but you know, kind of who cares, right? Yeah. I mean, but in Boston, there's going to be a lot more pressure on him. Yes, and I don't know if this is the case, but one of the knocks on Boston as they're constructed is the redundancy between Tatum and Brown. Brown is due for a massive extension. He's eligible for one. He made an all-NBA team. He can get the Supermax. I wonder if this is kind of a you know a harbinger of things to come, if they're going to move off Jalen Brown and really shake things up. I don't know if that will happen. I don't know if I would do that if I was Boston, but um, you could say the same things that they're saying. You know, the critics are saying about how the Suns have constructed the top of their roster. There's only one basketball to go around. It applies to Boston, too. Yeah. It's Matt Ishbia. He might buy a second basketball and just have there you go. two during the game. Let's <laughs> Sol- go to the pr- solving problems. The, uh, the podium here for Utah's pick. With the 16th pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Utah Jazz select Keontae George from Baylor University. Bobby Marks, player profile. One of the most prolific shooters in his class who brings a significant scoring power with his shot creation and passing abilities. George's scoring instinct and ability to hit up pull-up jumpers and make pocket passes out of the pick and roll give him a high floor as a strongly built 6'4 combo guard. All right, I'm just going to say Keontae George outfit much better than Grady Dick's outfit. Still not something I'd see you bold, wear. No, it's a bold choice. Also something that could be in Jarrett Carlin's closet. Well, speaking yeah. of Jarrett, we have heard from him on Twitter. Of course. Oh, yeah? And he said that Grady Dick's shoes were underwhelming. <laughs> the, just the shoes? Just the shoes. <laughs> didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even see the shoes. Were they ruby slippers? No, they were black shoes with red bottoms. There's nothing. So maybe Louboutins. So but, you, you know. were able to confirm, Maloney, that... It was a tribute to Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Correct. He did he, say that. He would have been better off going with pigtails and the blue and white dress <laughs> with the ruby yeah, slipper. I agree. And maybe the little dog, too. Yeah. <laughs> just have your whole family dress up like the Tin Man and Scarecrow. Like, if you're going to do it, go do full it. Kansas, man. That's, that's right. Uh, all right. So Utah has made their pick. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about and just some of the moves around the league. How much, I guess the question now is how much teams try to copy what Denver did? Or we've had this conversation a lot on, on our show and I've heard it a little bit on your show as well, Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you, what do you do if you're a contender and you know full well, especially in the West, you're going to have to go through Nikola Jokic. You can't just ignore it because he's there, but it's dangerous to go out and try and construct your team to stop Nikola Jokic because A, you might not play him in the playoffs and yes. B, there is nobody that can stop Nikola Jokic. 
So now you're seeing teams, and I don't know if that's what the Celtics were doing. They, they wouldn't see him unless they were in the finals anyway. But I, I do wonder if there's going to be more of an emphasis on the big man in today's game as they were going away from it seemingly five years ago. Now the last five MVPs have all been Giannis and Embiid and Jokic, and you've got a title winner that was that was through the big man. I think it's a great question. I, I do think that Jokic is such an anomaly that, I mean, if, if you're counting on copying that at all, you or can't. on the flip side, you, you, you can't do either. You can't copy it and you can't combat it. So I had actually heard it a discussion on your show when Tim Ring was in for Wolf and you talked about kind of Jokic proofing your team and, and we kind of piggybacked on that the next day and it's, it's impossible to do. What you have to do is construct a strategy that's different. Do what you do better than what they do good. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a, that was a big impetus in what the Suns we're probably thinking and getting and getting Bradley Beal. I like that, and I totally agree with you. I mean, they they kind of went in a very different direction to just try and be great at something else. That probably is the best way to beat yeah. uh, Denver as long as Jokic is healthy. And the other thing, and this is sort of scary in terms of players that might be able to slow him down. We saw DeAndre Ayton do that a couple years ago. Now they didn't have Jamal Murray. Jokic was an MVP at that point, so it's not like he was like just finding his game. But I think we would all agree Jokic has evolved even that much more over the last two years. But but D.A. not doing anything against him a month ago even clouds that further. And I think we were one game away in the Eastern Conference from seeing a much more intriguing matchup. Now, Boston was just such a weird team in the playoffs. Uh, This combination of great and underwhelming and uh, and overall underwhelming because they didn't make the finals. But... Imagine going up against Jokic with with Al Horford, Robert Williams. I mean, they I think they were much more equipped to make life difficult for him, yeah, and put more pressure on those role players for Denver. But we didn't get to see it, and and we saw an underwhelming performance by not only Jimmy Butler in the finals, but also a, a lot of those role players who were outstanding in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, a lot of the playoffs looking back ended up being kind of underwhelming. I mean, not to take anything away from what Denver did, they yes. were not underwhelming. No, they were fantastic. Of, there weren't a lot of like great memorable moments across the playoffs because there weren't a lot of competitive cut, series. Cut and paste that feeling to the Stanley Cup Final too. That also sucked. It did, but there was a lot of fighting, and that was fun. <laughs> and Vegas won, and I think they've been partying for over a week. Uh, all right, I see Kellen Olson back there, and he might be trying to eat or relax for five seconds, but we're going to drag him in here to talk some uh, some basketball and some NBA draft. Suns currently sitting at number 52. What kind of player are they going to go after tonight, either at 52 or 57, or if they're able to move up? It's a lot of ifs. Our own Phoenix Suns guru for Arizona sports, Kellen Olson, is going to join us next. It's our NBA draft special on Arizona sports, the local sports leader.